gives me like energy is it's the fact that you can you can save 25 years of expenses in less than 25 years if you do it smartly so that, that, that just blows my mind welcome to learn with us brought to you by 303 and you we are a team of four non-financial advisors who are exploring a revolutionary new financial approach that goes beyond money to prioritize your emotional mental and spiritual well-being through weekly meetings and engaging podcasts we strive to help you improve all aspects of your well-being as well as ours Come join us on this journey of growth and self-improvement because at 303 and you, we believe true wealth extends beyond dollars and cents. Happy learning. Hey guys, welcome back to Learn With Us, brought to you by 303. Today we're going over part two, financial freedom, in the book Retire Before Mom and Dad by Rob Berger. What up? How's everybody doing? What's up, Alita? <laughs> nice intro. How are we all doing today, guys? So part two, we're finally getting into the good stuff. Financial well, freedom. One of my favorite parts, at least. See, the secret to happiness is freedom, and the secret to freedom is courage. I had a good way to break us into this. I was thinking, what is financial freedom? Who wants to try to tackle that beast? Well, according to what the guy says. No, according to your before. Or not, you can either do before or even now how you... Oh, well, financial freedom is when I can choose to no, when all of my expenses are covered by passive income so i can choose to work or not because i will be okay regardless to me it's when money just be falling into my pocket i i go to look in my pocket i'm like oh there's another dollar where did you come from and i can do what i want when i want no i think it's financial freedom equals choice of working not working for money it's working for yeah, you're gonna work because you, you love work. or whatever they call it. Work because you want. What's your thoughts? Yeah. yeah, do what I want when I want. Seems like he agrees with us. Well, he said he tells you in chapter eight what financial freedom is not. That's how he starts. Yeah. Financial freedom is based off of your expenses, not your income. That's wow. a good point. No, and that I mean I don't think I even fully have grasped that yet because every time I hear it, it kind of still like hits me a little. It's like. If you want to retire and all you need is a yard and a house and some food, then you don't need $10 million. Like, Yeah. Yeah. How much for some reason, I still have that number glued in my head. How much do you want to spend? Do you want to spend 1000 a month or do you want to spend 10000 a month? I mean, that really matters. It says, so what is financial freedom? Ultimate financial freedom comes when you can live off of your savings and investments without the need to work. It's as simple as that. Which is true. And then he gets right into the best part. Well, what I feel is the seven steps, because that is financial freedom, every step. And that helped me a lot, too, because, you know, we always say make your small goals. But, you know, you're saying you need like for us, it was like one point two million dollars to be financially free. That, that, that's a huge goal. Is that for both for. or per? For both. Just in general. Yeah. For both of us to be done. The first step is one month. Well, oh, nice. We already have that invested. So it's like we're already walking up the right ladder, the right steps, as you want to say. Yeah, you're already. You're already almost there in a way. And yeah, and it's only seven steps. Yeah. And it's like, oh, well, one is done. So now it's, it's six steps. Like that's, you know. Yeah. It's nothing. Who can't walk up six more steps? So you can do whatever you've been doing again. I like how he's like oh well when you get up to the fifth step it's 
it's twice as much, but that's because by then you should have your money ready and working for you so much that it's not a question of if you're going to have that coming in, it's coming in. Like you're going to double your money every 10 years, as we say. I just wanted to um, say a little part about the beginning of this chapter about how what financial freedom is not, because I like how he talks afterwards. He says, it's not a fat paycheck. It's not a big house. It's not the shiny things that you can buy. Talks about people and how they present themselves to be financially free or even just to be rich with all the things that they have, whether they've charged it, which more than likely they have. Because it says, here's what you don't see. It says you don't see them freaking out about how they will make their monthly payments because who would post an Instagram picture of that? And you don't see them stress out at work because they may not get their quarterly bonus. And you don't see them lying awake at night worried sick that their financial house of cards could come tumbling down at any moment. And I just feel like most people who have things who don't understand actual financial freedom have a ton of debt attached to it, which just comes with stress. So even though they have all that nice stuff, they're they still they're like chained down. Yeah, because as you're saying, it's not like they bought that with cash. That's the big difference. If everything is bought in cash and it's yours and you own it, then you know, you you should be like, Wow, that guy I'm pretty jealous. He paid for all that, but that guy who bought that all in credit, it could literally be repoed away tomorrow. <laughs> Just like your job. He loses his job, he loses his truck, he loses all his toys. And then he makes a point that if you, even if you are investing, if you still are charging things on credit and you have a bunch of credit, it it matters on your savings in the long run because by having to pay off those monthly debts, that's less than you're able to put into your financial freedom fund. No, that's the biggest part of this whole, this part two is that it's what you spend. That's like... The biggest deal is it's, it's not, what you spend. It it's is not, not what you make. It's what you keep. Yeah, absolutely. Like, and you need to quit telling yourself, oh, I like, he was saying that <laughs> life is short and people are like, oh, so you got to blow it. But it's not that short. You know, you can't, you know, 10 years can turn into the difference between or $10. I mean, not 10 years, but that $10 can be the difference between 10 years and that, you know. That like blows my mind when he gives us all the numbers. So this is going to be a weird question. Just in everyone's, I, I guess I just want to know your opinion. Once you become financially free, whatever your age, doesn't matter. This is just a hypothetical question. How long do you think it will take you to experience and do all the things that are on your bucket list, so to speak? You know, like your, what does it say? Like beans now, steak later. Like if you're, you're saving know, for the big like you're stuff. I you're going to be doing your bucket list forever. Yeah, like if your bucket list is sailing or tra- just say traveling, that's, that's just traveling, just traveling, then you're gonna probably travel until your health doesn't allow you anymore, or until you so, just get tired and want to settle down, I guess, and not do it. Which that's a, so. If your goal, so your goal, so for example, your goal when you're financially free is to travel. Mm-hmm. So for in that example, you think it would be never ending because there's never ending places that you can travel to. Mm-hmm. So it, maybe it depends on what what your long term is. No, but to go off that is that you could also, well, it doesn't matter. We could do whatever, but you could start traveling five years sooner. Think about all the other places you could hit up finally that you have more time for. You're like, well, it's going to take us a year to get over there, but oh, we got a year now. Let's do it. What are we waiting for? Yeah, that's a good point because. I don't know. Is it, would you consider it? Well, I guess it would be a bucket list, but I feel like. 
once you're financially free, it's like a lifestyle. But no, you can do it before if you if you make it your lifestyle while you're on your way to level seven, then it's still it's still doable because instead of rent, you're paying gas. Instead of electricity, you're paying for parking meters. I don't know. So or but it's all about expenses at the end of the day. Yeah. How much you're spending. Yeah. I just I guess without really thinking about it, my first thought was spending I'm sorry, spending and saving. I guess without really thinking about it, my first initial thought was just that after you like for example, I say I don't want to travel, say I have no interest in traveling, it's just not my thing. Then the couple different things that I do want to do that I can't do right now because I'm, you know, still like working and all these other things. I'm going to have those done in like five years and then I'm just going to be sitting around. Okay. I don't want to be rude, but my thing is, my answer is that I think you're thinking too small because you don't have the mindset of what it would truly mean to be financially free. Like you're like, Oh, I could go on a shopping spree. Well, that's going to get boring after a day, but you're like, we could go buy houses if we do it right. Like with the right money, you could. I think you would find stuff that you could do. Mm -hmm. Like maybe it would be, be like think think about it. when your kid is older and he's doing more sports and activities you will be able to be at every single game but i kind of want to hear amanda's point fully though because i feel like there's more to it not really i mean that was that was pretty much it i i get what you're saying i just and i wasn't really thinking small like a shopping spree it's just say your goal is to you know have a camp and sit there and order doordash all day long and go kayaking till you're until you die. Well, I just, even after five years of that, I, I just feel like you'd be bored. Like, you, but I suppose you just come up with a new well, goal. A lot of people that are, I guess you would consider that like retired kind of sort of in a way. A lot of people that are retired, go pick up little part-time jobs to have something to do. So, I mean, maybe you decide to still work, but it's because you want, want to. to for enjoyment. That's what it seems. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I just feel like for some people, they would get bored of, of, trying to find things to entertain themselves i don't know i mean maybe I mean, I guess think of myself because you might decide to pick up gardening like what if you decide you love gardening and you're like wow i have 30 hours a week to put into my garden and i love doing this you wouldn't be able to do that if you work a nine to five job all the time but yeah. you have this time because you're retired Good point. i it doesn't I, even have to be a hobby, though. It could be a way to even make more money. Well, like I was a just going to say, I totally... That you can now take the risk because get, you're not doing it for the cash. You're doing it like with for that an ex- experiment, basically. You're doing it for because you love it and you think it's going to work. Like with that, yeah, like with that example, though, specifically gardening. So say you did that after a few years and then word spreads around and you're like the famous, you know, gardener on 32nd Street or wherever you live. Before you know it, you're going to end up starting a business because if you're that passionate about it, you're going to want to share it. And it's just like before and before you know it, you'll be back to work just doing something that you love. So I guess I guess it would work out one way or another. I personally know someone who started with a plant and now he has like a hundred and could very easily start making profit out of his hobby. If you wanted to plant, especially I'm surprised at how profitable they can be. Yeah, I just had a conversation with a girl at work tonight about, uh, I don't know, a relative of hers that started with like one small thing and nine months later he had to like go buy a whole kitchen to like do everything because he couldn't handle the orders. It was it was, it was a cool story. Like, yeah, the like customers were 
begging him for work and he's like whoa whoa yeah <laughs> best kind of problem to have i guess should we get into the steps <laughs> absolutely we got a super sidetrack there but... what kind of why why do you like the the method or the strategy of seven levels well like i was saying before i think it's mostly because it gets us hope they're, they're reachable levels i feel like I mean, even though by the time you get to the third level, it's still like, I need six months of my life saved up. That's like, whew, that's half a year. You expect me to be able to just, like, I could quit my job for half a year. That's a big goal. I get to, but at the same time, uh, listening to it earlier, if you calculate the time that it took you to save the one month, and then you times that and figure out the six months, and then you think about it in long term, which is probably like less than a year or maybe just just over a year. It's not that long. Plus, we got to start adding the 9%. Or what's the, he says the true is four. No, that's, that that's to use. That's a different so, word. Oh, that's okay. Yeah, it's right. not. <laughs> just one thing I think that is really important because we're not going to touch too much on the actual numbers of things, but numbers really matter. So... And and when you understand them, then you won't be intimidated by any of this anymore. It's actually super simple, and it's really cool. This is one of the books I definitely recommend that you actually have to go pick up. Like you, no matter how much we talk about it, you have to see these numbers because it's it's the only way it's going to make the most sense. True. They they yeah. truly like once you see it on paper, it opens your eyes. It's there's no way to describe it. So level one is one month of expenses. And there's also a little note in this one that says, according to the study by the Federal Reserve, four in 10 Americans couldn't cover a $400 emergency with their savings. In other words, most Americans have not achieved level one financial freedom. And level one is is only one month of expenses saved. I wonder if that's even true as of right now. I feel like it's probably inaccurate. With everything that's happening. That is so crazy. It really is. Because if I drive around all day long and see people and look at people and they look like they are more than well off enough to be able to afford a $400 emergency. No, I think I think right now it's six out of 10 or seven out of 10 are living paycheck to paycheck. That's absolutely insane. But, but eight out of 10 people drive a $50,000 vehicle and I don't et mean that they have... Emergency funds put back. That's what I'm saying. The cars are emergency funds. And also, just because you look rich doesn't mean you are rich. (laughs) Like, yeah, you can fake it till you make it. You're just hurting yourself. All right, level two is three months of expenses saved. You now have enough money in the bank to handle most emergencies. Level three, six months of expenses saved. It's at level three that you've gained some confidence. It takes commitment to have six months of expenses it requires discipline and persistence if you can reach level three you can reach level seven level four i have a question real fast this says uh i get what he's saying but if you're counting your investments towards this correct that's what he's saying no no he's not Oh yes, of course you are. Yeah, yeah, because it's a, it, part of it's an expense. Savings. Yeah, you're you're paying yourself, so you're still it's still a payment that you have. So if I had a whatever it is a four hundred dollar emergency, then this book is expecting me to withdraw it from my investment account? Question mark. Does he say that? 
He never says no, that. No, but she's got a good point That's there. That's why I'm asking. If there is an emergency, I think he says invested. Yeah, I think he says invested. Well, oh. saved, invested, put aside. Either, yeah, they're all. Your total money. But you should have your money working for you, according to everything we know. So, but that's what I'm saying, though, is if your money is supposed to be working for you, and I have to pull four hundred dollars out of four hundred dollar employees out, then like, well, or so should your savings be separate from your investment? Yeah. So he does. So okay, I see what you're saying. So let's say you have savings for health. He does go into different kinds of saving accounts because he there's a like a health account that you can use to deposit your money that you're going to be using for <clears throat> for health and that's it and that functions differently than just a regular 401 or whatever Roth RIA okay so you think he plans for his I guess I'm just I guess you can guess do whatever you want you can no. either have your own emergency fund put aside or but I mean if you haven't invested it's still like a savings just pull out for yeah i'd rather invest it i can always borrow against it i think no maybe not but i'd rather invest it well that's in stock at the end of the day i think it should always be working yeah i yeah. guess at, at the end of the day even if you do have to pull it out then yeah it should still be working for you for the small time that it's there yeah no that mm -hmm. makes sense all right level four one year of expenses saved but hold on i wanted to mention i don't think he does include your savings though so if you're saving four hundred dollars it's not included in the expenses because if you're saving 60 percent of your income it's not a hundred percent of your income that are your expenses it's never like that it's always a fraction of your of your income so you see what i'm saying well and you're only taking a percentage mm -hmm. and putting it in your because like I, I, I mean, Amanda, I thought that you asked whether the amount of money that you're saving is considered an expense in the book, and I said that it was, but I think I, I no, I know I'm wrong. I thought that it was an expense that it should it be used yeah. as something you're risking, basically, because you know nothing is guaranteed. <clears throat> or should is he considering having? that money saved up that you keep pulling out in a separate like you have six months saved up in a different bank account as we're I mean, suggesting, yeah, you or six months I feel invested like you could. i mean because you have you know five ten twenty percent that you're putting aside every week every month of your pay to your investments and then you could have an emergency fund separate but regardless so he maybe talks about it's both he says savings and investments so, yeah. okay. so it's a little mix it. all right I get you. All right. Yeah. So level four was one year of expenses saved. Level oh. five is five years of expenses saved. Expenses saved. Level six, ten years of expenses saved. Level seven is twenty-five years of expenses saved. And at this point, you can pretty much call yourself retired or financially free. Yeah. I guess financially free is the better. Dude, so I've I've reached level three. I think three times no two times this, this is the second time the third time oh but then you end up yeah using i use it, it for I use other it. exactly assets i don't want to assume anything but i hope it's being used but now i know that next time i'm not i'm gonna just i'm just going to keep going i'm not i'm not going to use oh that you're not yeah. taking from it no more dipping no, from i'm gonna it. find different ways 
to get uh, money to fund your emergency. No, not his emergency. His new assets, assets yes. he wants to buy, but he doesn't want to use his. Because right now I've been saving cash to buy assets. Yeah, he wants the assets to buy assets, basically. Now it's I. I'm gonna find it. That's it needs to be. Twenty five years, but I mean, if you're on this path, twenty five years, you're like, oh, is that enough saved? But that's twenty five years that is working for you too, if you do it right. So it's not like I know he breaks it down eventually into the four percent that you'll take from it. But yeah, I think a like, chapter we'll figure out how you can just live off of your what is it called your passive income. passive income. And I think what's something maybe magical, or at least something that gives me like energy is it's the fact that you can you can save twenty five years of expenses in less than twenty five years if you do it smartly. So that, that just blows my mind. That is kind of like, yeah, magical. There isn't another. Because according to this book, if if the market stays at the average that it's been for the past 100 years, once you get to those 25 years of expenses saved, then that's it. You can do whatever you want. And it doesn't have to be 25 years if you do it smart. It can be less. Or it could be 45 if you just do it at the minimum. No, he says that a lot. It's not like he's there's either a right way or a wrong way. It's it's your way. You there's your many life. ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's important. That's very important. So he says before we move on, there are some important observations we need to make about the seven levels of financial freedom. Oh, like the it's a journey, not a destination. I like that yeah, one. That's number it's kind of it's kind of cheesy. Mm-hmm. But it's it's true. <laughs> but it works. It's true because after you realize, holy cow, I have one month of savings. It it is magical. It's like a spiritual experience. It's so I mean, weird. That's what I you said. Can't describe it. it. Pumps me right well, up. I feel like because you know when I was younger, I've been living paycheck to paycheck, and it's like when you do get that one month of savings, it is like a weight lifted off your shoulders because you can be like, wow, I can breathe. And if something happens, I have money to cover it. No, that's the biggest part is that your boss now isn't your number one priority, I guess is the word I'm looking for. Number one priority is because you don't want to do something and you really think about it. You know, you're like, oh, but I got to keep this job. No, you don't. You have a month to go find a new job. I wouldn't recommend thinking like that, but you could. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but I'm just saying it's a it's a weight. To, you know, it's not your first card to use, but it is a card that's there to. And Rob even says an example in the book about how he, at one point, experiences. Um, he walks in, he's working somewhere, and his boss is being such a jackass to another employee, and he thinks about it, and he he actually stops and struggles and realizes to himself, I could walk out of here if I want to, because he's like six months financially free, but he doesn't. And then he says, like, I don't know, like two years later or something, he ends up quitting and retiring because he stuck it out. But so even just having that choice is awesome. So, but I wanted to point out, go ahead. I wanted, I was trying to find the actual post so I could read it straight from the post, but I'm pretty sure I remember what it says. It, and I don't know if this is 100% true, but this uh, page that I follow, it posts a lot of like businessy stuff. And it was saying that because you guys were talking about, oh, you could go find another job. Well, I just saw this business post that said 
when you find out that if you stay at a job for longer than two years, you are likely to make 50% less over your lifetime. Oh, man. I agree with that. My stepmom got that message. She's a lawyer, and she made it her hobby to look for new jobs. It's it's weird. Well, and I believe it because if you stay at the same job, they're either going to cap you out at how much you can make, or they're going to be like, oh, you've been with us for six, seven, eight years. Well, we'll give you a 50 cent raise once a year versus you go work somewhere else and you might get a $10,000 increase as soon as you start. And here's a gold watch that cost us 200 bucks. I'm trying to not <laughs> choke on my words right now, like waiting for my turn. So We all get our um, turn. <laughs> Wait, before Amanda so goes, I have more to say. Just kidding. You can go, Amanda. <laughs> I have like four points and I've forgotten them all. No. So the most recent point is that uh, – I'm not going to say which businesses because I don't want to. Yeah, we got but, but in reference to what you just said, okay, there's a business that right now their cooks, their top cooks, they've been, whether they've been there for five years or one year, they make maybe $18 an hour on, to cook on the line, okay? And then there's another business 15 minutes away. And their cooks starting out, which whether, you know, whatever, their cooks starting out make $23 an hour on the line. And you wouldn't even know that if, if you stayed at that place, like you're saying, because if you, you could literally just like dip your toes in around other places just to make sure that because, you know, with everything else that's going on, that you're not worth more somewhere else, but because you've been somewhere for so long, your boss is basically just taking advantage. At this point, it wouldn't hurt to call around. Is I guess guess what you're saying because you're right. Like there might be a sign-on bonus at the least. People might be in a worse situation where they need. They're like, oh well, you could come here and we'll give you an extra thousand dollars just to come to me. Well, I know there's places because I know of one very specifically that have had people working for them for years, full time in the summer. You know working extra hours for them, they will pay them less than the brand new people they have coming in. For sure. Especially because you're not supposed to talk about it. Do you know that that there's no law or anything that says you're not allowed to talk about it? That's like your boss's courtesy. It's an unwritten law. That's not a thing. (laughs) All right. Well, Well, the thing is that you're not supposed to boast about your income. That's the, that's the rule. But, why can't you talk? You are allowed to discuss your income. Yeah. No, I'm just saying that's... Yeah, I think that no, people yeah. do talk about it. You're just not supposed to. The, okay, the, but let's just do the math really fast. Your employers are supposed to look at that. So basically, in other words, it's saying, hey, don't be afraid to change jobs every couple of years. If you can find something better and if you make, If you could get an extra $5 an hour at a job 10 minutes away from where you work now, 40 hours a week, what's that? Five times four is 200. Eight plus 200. That's an extra $200 a week because, and just because you haven't bothered to look, the job's the same no matter where you that's go. An extra if you're $800, staying, um, a month. That's ridiculous. If you stick within your, what are they called? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. If you stay within your same, your skill set. Yeah, that's just, that's job just staying in the same job description, not even getting an extra skill. Just exploring around. That's crazy. 
that's your investment money right there. You don't have to do anything different. Just change jobs or just change employers. The seven levels enabled you to monitor your progress. And the third, financial freedom has nothing to do with your income. I like the second one. I like this the levels because it makes it look sound like a video game. You can you can totally draw anything with seven levels. No, that was my whole point of like yeah, and then we, anyways, is that it it makes it something that you can see. Reach. I yeah, I like it kind of the same thing because you're not saying, Oh my gosh, I need a million dollars to get this or like the example on this one page, it's like level seven on the example on the next page is three hundred thousand. So you're not sitting here at zero saying, Oh my gosh, I have to come up with three hundred thousand dollars. You're going step by step. So it's like one thousand, three thousand, six thousand, twelve thousand, sixty thousand, one twenty. And then finally you hit the $300,000 mark. And so it, it makes your goals obtainable. For sure. Um, I was also thought before you even hit level one, if you want to like shoot for something, because this, this made me happy was that I don't know how much you have in bills every month, but if you can manage to pay all of February's bills in January, it's like this really weird feeling that you get knowing that you're $600 a step ahead. Like it's so amazing to not have to worry about when your due date is because you've actually already paid it even just 30 days in advance. It, it's a really, really cool feeling. And that's just a small goal. The third one is almost the most powerful one to me, at least third financial freedom has nothing to do with your income. And that is a hard pill to swallow because everyone's like, I just need to, bigger job, a bigger job, a bigger job. But no, because it's not about your job. It's how much money your money's making you. It's how much money you got saved up. It's how much you got. It's all on you. It's not about the income coming in. Oh, the fourth point, levels of financial freedom do not include anything about debt. I like this point. This was interesting. I don't know if I fully agree with them, but. I think I do agree with them, but I want to hear what you have to say. Well, it's just that he's talking about He's talking about bad debt. He hasn't That's made true. the distinction yet between bad debt and good debt because I, I'm of yeah. the, the team that believes that there is a, that you can use debt in a good way. I agree. But with when that. you're first starting off your financial journey, I feel like you need to think of debt but, just as an evil thing until you understand everything. Yeah, you wouldn't. You wouldn't have it. Yeah, I feel like he's. Yeah, you're right. I feel like he's talking about pay off those. Yeah, I I agree because if you if you listen to what he says that that debt is, he's saying that you need that money to pay off your monthly bills, and I feel like the debt you're talking about would pay itself plus eventually give you some. So, mm-hmm. so even though you're right, he doesn't actually say it, it. It is two different kinds. Which, anyways, the point he touches on that is that it's really even though you think it's all right to have debt for whatever reason. If you have to pay $500 a month towards your credit cards, even if you are saving and you have stocks and whatever you need, that $500 is $500 less than what you're putting into your savings into the stocks. Yeah, in the other chapter, he he calls it the slingshot effect. Comes with our superpowers. It's, yeah, it makes a huge difference. It's It's like a, it automatically doubles its value once you get rid of it. It's like the best investment, basically getting getting rid of your debt in a way, because it'll 
double its value once you once you start investing. I feel like it almost gets to a point where you're going to be like scared of or like what what do I do with this? Like I have a million dollars, like and then now I have three million dollars. Like what what? True. <laughs> Dude, I think I think that's why the richest man in Babylon, because the richest man in Babylon, let's face it, it's it's the most basic introductory concepts to finances. That's what it is. And then they say the ten percent investing or saving, the twenty percent for paying your debts, it's always greater than what you're investing because they recognize the value. It's gonna be greater in once you get rid of the debt. Because oh, of this nature effect when Amanda just brought up. Yeah. I was wondering why they kept it simple. Oh, this one's already getting called. Fifth, you reach level seven financial freedom when you have saved 25 years of expenses. So what's special about having 25 times your annual expenses? The answer has to do with what's called the 4% rule. That's the goal. We, That's yeah. the last step of the secret. And yeah. we'll go over that more in a couple more chapters. <clears throat> But for a basic breakdown, the four percent is what you're supposed to be living off of from your expense or from your investments, correct? Yeah. Oh, and then the, he gives the math equation. Like, let's say we spend fifty thousand dollars a year, then that means to reach level seven, we multiply fifty thousand times by twenty-five. Twenty-five. That's so simple, though, because now you can, after you get done doing all the math, you're like, oh, how much do I spend a month? Well, now you got to do that, times that by 12, and then just times that by 25. Yeah. And that's basically the same because 4% of that total is going to be 50,000. So 4% of, of your total financial freedom fund is how much you spend a year. Important number. Six. Number six is the seven levels give us a compelling framework with which to understand decisions we make in our everyday financial lives. Yeah, he brings up the rule of 857. But we didn't which go would over be that. How much, <laughs> yeah, that's how much money you would um, have in 10 years at 9%, right? Yeah. Yeah. So if it's $5, it makes you, puts it in perspective because it's not just $5. It's, it's not just that cup of coffee. Yeah. yeah, it's a cup of coffee plus the 9%. And that's the big deal, that people don't ever add that 9%. Like, it's just five bucks. He does bring up something, though, that kind of makes it, it's like the counter argument, because he says, all right, so let's say you're tripping over a $5 cup of coffee, which actually, let's face it, now it's like seven. It's seven, seven and bucks. some change. So that's $7 cup of coffee. Okay, now this is one extreme. If you're LeBron James, $7 is not going to really make a difference. Uh, what would make a difference is, let's say, $3 million or $1 million or 100000 10000 A number like that would actually make, would actually make a difference. There's a, that, that number, that 10000 or 3000 also exists for us. Like... Really, there's a point, let's say it's 20 bucks. Like if you take a $20 bill and you can just spend it, that could be your $3,000 or whatever, your $7 for LeBron. Are you seeing the point that I'm trying to make? It's like, why can't you have that $20? Well, yeah. So are you saying like, so this is the latte thing, right? Yeah. That we were talking about. So it was $5 for the latte 
And then after 45 years or something, it was... Um, I think it's 10. No. Wait, let's check it. It says latte factor, 45 years. It's $150 a month. And if you had invested it for 45 years with a 9.3%, you would have just over $1.2 million. So that was at $5. So I did the math for myself because I don't drink coffee, but I go to McDonald's, which my McDonald's trips are $15 usually a trip, which I wouldn't go every day. So it's not really accurate because this isn't every day. But I did the math on it and it was almost like $4 million, I think, in McDonald's. <laughs> I like, and I just like, I just thought that was hilarious. I was like, I'm never going to be able to go to McDonald's again because every time I buy a $4 cheeseburger, I'm going to be like, this is a $1,000 cheeseburger. <laughs> in 10 years. <laughs> it makes it, it, the numbers do, do create an impact. They really do. For sure. I guess that was a good example of how you're using the levels to to impact your day-to-day decision-making, which is at the core of what it means to be financially responsible. Seven, the levels of financial freedom are not spread out evenly, which that's what I was talking about earlier is that you get to a certain point where you, your money is just going to start doubling. And it's that's why he's not thinking that it's going to take you the same amount of time it took you to save or i guess he is thinking <laughs> actually he is thinking that it's going to take you the same amount of time of that it did to save four thousand dollars that it's going to save 40 because of the way everything's going to be working out and with the nine percent yeah and at the same time you just get better it's just the law you, you have to at that point yeah <laughs> i agree with that <clears throat> sorry yeah like myself a year ago i wouldn't be questioning my choice of burritos <laughs> No, for real. I question every dollar I spend now. And I will still spend them like I, I will still waste dollars, but I consciously waste them. Yeah. Well, there is a quote in here. I can't find it, but he does say something about saying, I'm not here to tell you you can't have a latte. But oh, he I, yeah, where's the quote? I can't find it. This is in a couple more chapters, but he does say, it's an important point, and I'm not here to tell you to stop drinking lattes, watching Netflix, or taking vacations. What I am here to tell you is that the best thing money can buy is financial freedom. With every dollar that comes into your life, use a portion of it to buy your freedom. With what's left over, drink as many lattes as your heart desires, in other words. <laughs> you don't have to deprive yourself from everything, but you should at least invest a little portion of every single dollar that comes into your life so i can no he's kind of saying stop spending lattes no because you'll be able to have lattes every day or another way to think about is that you'll be able to afford the lattes it's not a question like can i screen up that five dollars it's you could have 10 lattes that day yeah he's saying buy your freedom and then buy lattes (laughs) that's what he's saying all right well to be negative well he literally said with what's left over drink as many lattes as your heart desires and I don't want to be negative because Connor hates it when I'm negative. But if you don't let me have my cheeseburgers now, when I'm 60 years old, I'm going to have like high blood pressure and high cholesterol and I won't be able to have my cheeseburgers. So now so, it's a so now what? And now you get to live an extra 10 years <laughs> and spend even more so now money. now I never get to enjoy it. You never were going to in the beginning. It wasn't good for you. <laughs> well, that's why you invest a portion of it and then you can still set some aside for your guilty pleasures. 
is literally what he says. He says that multiple times. I definitely like that better. Yeah, I like that. I just, no, I'm just saying it because I feel like people are going to stress being like, oh my gosh, I can never have a copy. Oh my gosh, I can, I've, I've had a busy day at work, but I can't go buy me anything that's quick and easy to grab because I'll be eating out. Like, no, that, I, oh, I can't take a vacation. That's not what he's saying. Look, if you want my opinion, but. They do if they're here, Juan. It's all right. Exactly. <laughs> so it just find the, the compromise. That's that's the, that's why you have to do, compromise. But make, make it a decision. Don't make it a, an emotional one too. Make sure that it's a decision that you made out of a a, a discussion. So just go buy it seven days a week because you have the money in your pocket. Invest but you don't have the money in your pocket. That's the deal. That it should money. be. It shouldn't ever be in your pocket. It should be working always. I agree with Connor. Oh yeah, that's a good quote. Chapter ten: Emergencies. It starts with. There is only one kind of shock worse than the totally unexpected. The expected for which one has refused to prepare. Mary Reynolds. Murphy's Law, isn't that what they call it? Yeah. Everything bad that can happen will happen, so you should be preparing for it. Do you have a simple way of explaining the slingshot effect? Because when I read it, I just go, okay, I don't know, really know how to explain it. Oh, this is the one with the... Well, he's saying... The, the, the concept stems from the idea that, let's say, well, okay, whatever you make, if you're saving 10%, it means that you're spending 90%. If you're saving 20%, that means you're spending 80%. So out of, out of those things that you're spending, then if you start looking at them, and let's say you look at, you see debt, Whenever you get debt out of your spendings and then you add them to your savings, then their value immediately doubles. So not only are you not down a hundred, you're on top a hundred. It's a win-win. It doesn't just yeah, because it doesn't it doesn't bring you to zero. You're not oh now I'm at zero. No, Suddenly, it brings you plus hundred. Brings yeah. you extra positive one hundred. Exactly. And you don't and miss that money effect. because it's already being spent on bills it was exactly you were you always spent it so now you, you you won't miss it when you start saving it yeah the, and the less you spend the more you save so you're automatically losing or getting less debt but saving more is that that's like the snowball effect when it comes to paying off your credit cards right yeah it's like uh like if you pay off one credit card like a compound. yeah like you take the 500 you've paid it off and then you take this you don't spend that money on anything you just apply it to another credit card plus your minimum payment so you're like compounding your payments look so he puts it in perspective so he says the slingshot effect now that we mentioned the slingshot effect and how getting rid of debt not only brings you to zero but puts you on the positive so he says that's why or that is a perfect ex example of why you should look at money from a long-term perspective instead of a short-term perspective. He says, for those that save 5% of their income, so if you're only saving $50, okay, I'm making this complicated. So for all those saving only 5% instead of 10%, it's going to take um, um, to, get to, to get enough money for their emergency fund or level three, it would be 9.5 years. If they only save 5%, it 
which means if they spend 95% of their income, it will take them almost 10 years to get to level three. But if they save 20%, which means if they only spend 80%, it would take them two years. So, so how long for 30%? One year. That's nuts. That's my goal. When you think about it. We're, I think we're at like 17%. I want to get to 30%. Yeah. So I think a good goal, yeah, that's a good goal. So that means it would take you two years to save one year of expenses. A better goal should be one year of expenses in one year. <laughs> that's kind of Try hard. that with inflation. Maybe. No, that's just an excuse. That's nuts. That's crazy. Yeah, 10%. If, if you save 10%, it would take you nine months to save one month. So it basically would take you almost nine years to save one year. That's long. And if you need 25 years, that's undoable. Yeah. 25 years saved. But yeah, I like that effect, the slingshot effect. I think that's all the main parts. Yeah, I think we really did, we did play everything. So what's your goal right now, guys? What are you... What are you aiming towards when it comes to us? Let's see, couple, couple points of views. It would be, where are you, where would you be or where would you like to be when it comes to the steps and then at the macro level and then at the micro level, like the changes. I think you've already mentioned a lot, a few of them. I guess right now we're trying to get to the third level. I know, no, we're still shooting for the second. We're still shooting for the second level. The second is three months. Yes. So we only got a month and some change saved up. And then for us, our major one was TV was our major changed, which ended up being, I don't even want to do the math. It had to have been over 50 bucks, I'd say a month coming all out at different weeks. So it never seemed like a big deal. But once we added all five streaming platforms together, yeah, it was more like $75 a month. That's a big step. Dude, that's almost $1,000 a year. So yeah, that was a huge one for us, for sure. What about yourself? Do you have a major thing you cut out that... I was just thinking that I don't think we've made any any decisions like that. I think we should extend that question to the audience. For you guys in the audience, what do you think about this question? And either hit us up on here right on Podbean or YouTube. Both of them, or the email is always down in the comments. That's the best way to get a hold of us is through the email. In the description, we'll or read just them the all. Comments, see what your goal is. Yeah, we'll read them all. We might not answer all of them because time, but we will read them all. Or leave a comment saying what your goal is that you're trying to reach. Are you trying to get the one month, two month, three months? All right, everybody, that's gonna do it for this week. I'll see you all here back for Retire Before Mom and Dad Part Three: Buying Your Freedom. See you guys. Peace out. Bye. Thank you for joining us this week. We hope you've enjoyed our discussion and found it both informative and entertaining. Please stay connected with us and continue the conversation on our social media. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and TikTok. You can also catch us on most podcast platforms and catch up on previous episodes. If you have any suggestions or topics you'd like us to explore in the future, we'd love to hear from you, and you can reach out to us via email at 303andU at gmail.com. Don't forget to leave us a review and share the podcast with your friends and family if you've enjoyed what you've heard. We will be back next week with more engaging topics and insightful conversations. Until then, take care, stay curious, and happy learning.